What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here at the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dominic Side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Tad the Side. And Tad, I don't know if you've been following all this. Like, just quick, like you know, segue before we get. If you bring up what I think you're going to bring up, I will leave the studio. (laughs) No, I'm saving you from that. I'm actually bringing up the um, as of recording. I'm pretty sure maybe some of our listeners, some of our viewers are following maybe possibly what's happening with the Oakland A's and all of their issues that are happening. With not like not where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> yeah, see, so that's why I, I thought in this case scenario you were going to be like, hey, Vegas just won the Stanley Cup or something. But okay. they did. They won that pretty convincingly. But, yeah, you know, like yeah. I said, all right, save so you sorry. from the other thing that we possibly hear. But wow. um, no, we're not bringing that up on this podcast. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> the Oakland A's having the worst manager other than Stan Kroenke. No, not manager. Owner. Owner is a different than manager. Owner. The manager is doing the best that he can. Mark Kotze is fantastic, but just unfortunately. God bless that man. God bless. Exactly. Yeah, he's trying to make soups with rock. Like I mean, that's what he's trying to do, but he's still making it work, sort of thing here. Uh, but obviously they're having attendance issues with all everything that's going on, possibly with the relocation to Las Vegas. Like I mean, a lot of people are saying that the fans are just not supporting the team. But what they're doing today, as of recording, they're doing a reverse boycott so actually there's a fan funded pro fan funded initiative going on they have shirts that say sell on them they're green shirts with white uh just block lettering sell on it they're attending the game the attendance i have hasn't been reported yet but i'm watching the game currently this is one of the few times i've actually watched the game as we record here and so it's like you see it the crowd is there like it's a lot more exciting like a typical ace game is um they've got some very creative chants going on so at the top of every inning they're saying sell the team at the bottom of every inning they're saying f john fisher who is the owner that, i but support of course, that i support but that replace the f with the actual word so i mean fuck. they're doing fuck that. is the word yes exactly so i mean it's just like yeah they're definitely getting into it they're definitely getting their voice out there to sort of show their support that it's not the fan thing it's completely just the owner just miss own misowning i guess like i know i i know you said manager wow, but it's kind of like, like, like i kind of want to say that i was like honestly like just not being the owner that he should be he clearly just has something else on his mind to get this team out of oakland to rebuild in las vegas and i mean it's just like it's great to see that the fans are coming out there and the big thing too that a lot of people were uh a little bit hesitant as to attending the game because they thought the money would just go back to john fisher right because it's his team but all the proceeds from the ticket sales today is going to charity. So That's this is like fully like, that. you know, go attend the game, show your support for the team. Obviously, so show the fact that you want the team to stay here. And so hopefully, you know, something can transpire from this. But just Tad, like, what do you think about this whole situation? I, I kind of laid it out to you. Maybe I, I don't know if you were aware about everything that's happening in today's oh, game or not. But just no. Okay. So I, I actually have a funny story about that. So uh, for our listeners, I went to a wedding in Austin this weekend, which is about three and a half hours away from Dallas. So me and my friends, we all drove down together and um, I'm I'm. I get very bored very quickly in road trips. So like almost instantly I whipped out my phone, was looking for anything to do. And I believe it was a sporting news published an article about, I knew like somewhat of all the drama going on behind this. The sporting news article was absolutely hilarious. And I ended up having to explain this to my friends. Cause I was laughing in the backseat reading this article. And what, what's the owner's name again? John Fisher. Yeah. He's a moron. So he basically like went to Oakland and said, I want most of the public money 
to his credit, he said, I will pay for some of it, but I want you to pay for a majority of it of the for this new stadium. Oakland, rightfully so, said, no, go fuck yourself. So he tanked the team thinking, you know what? I'm going to go to Vegas. So I love this so much because I didn't know this part of it is he goes, and this is for our audience. I know you know all this. He goes, fine, I'm moving <laughs> to Vegas. And Vegas goes, but you are? Like he didn't consult Vegas. He didn't yeah. consult the state of Nevada. He's just like, I'm moving to Vegas. We're like, uh, okay, all right, I guess we'll talk. So they sit down for talks. He said he gives them the same deal of like, look, you pay up like 800 mil. I'll front 200 mil. We'll get this done. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. So now he's sitting there for lack of a better term with his dick in his hand because he's just like, he can't go back to Oakland. And because for two reasons, one, they still don't want to build the stadium. And two, he then is proven to be the liar that he is because he said the only reason he wants to move the team is lack of competitiveness, which is his own fault, and lack of attendance, which is, again, connected to the lack of competitiveness because who wants to pay to go see a losing team? And now, unless Nevada somehow, like, unless he reaches a, a deal with them, nothing. Or unless, shocker, you want to pay for your own damn stadium, that'll, that's a cure-all to everything. Like, I just love how finally the billionaire is getting screwed here. It is great. I stand with you, Oakland. I love it. Fuck, what's his name? Gary? <laughs> Seriously, John Fisher, man. John Fisher, goddamn. Like Fuck John Fisher. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Love it. Also, yeah. while we're on uh, the topic of uh, baseball, you know, fandoms raising money, TCU uh, baseball fans raised $150,000 for Indiana State's, uh, um, oh man, what was it? Uh, Indiana State's charity at concessions uh, during the Super Regionals to get to Omaha. So that, w- that was cool. Go, go Frogs. Nice. Especially because nice. I'm, I'm not going to waste any more time on the podcast explaining it, but Indiana State was supposed to be home and weird things happened and they actually ended up, despite being the higher seed in Fort Worth. So the team got really screwed there. I'm willing to admit that. So TCU fans showed up, though. We we quite literally repaid them. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's all they're good. So. They're not going to Omaha, though. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, just it's exciting to see what's happening there in Oakland on the baseball sense. Like, I'm hoping something could stay in Oakland. Trans- stay in Oakland. I'm hoping something could transpire from there. So we'll see exactly what happens after tonight and if it can sort of make a dent in anything there. But of course, we are first and foremost a fantasy football podcast, a football podcast overall. So we definitely want to get into today's topic now with that quick segue, obviously. But we're going to be talking about. Second and third year players that we think could either be breakouts or busts. So, I mean, you know, we got the combination of guys from last year's draft in 2022 and obviously the guys in 2021. Tad, it was crazy. Like, I was looking through the 2021 draft and I was just looking at some of the names. I was just like, oh, good. It is crazy that Jamar Chase is entering his third year and he's already. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I saw that. I was like, Damn, he's only been in the league for two years, going into his third year. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. For for me, I like I like put in 2022 NFL drafts. I thought that was two years ago. And right. I was like, ah shit. Nope. I was like, man. That so I, I like going back to like, man. But man, that was like looking back on it, that was 2021 was a good, good first round. Second round, too. There were some some sleepers there, but that first round, that top 15, even the guys that still you're still like, eh. They're very, I don't even think I saw a single player where I was like, yeah, that dude sucks. Like all those players, I'm like, eh, there's still a chance. 
Well, in the first round, there's one player that I think I got to bring up a little bit later for well, top fifty, <laughs> top fifty. Oh, top fifteen. Yes, okay, top fifteen. That's yeah. Fair. yeah. Now, bottom, uh, bottom, but, like twenty to thirty-two. There were some there where I was like, yeah, yeah, that didn't work. Hit or miss there, but yeah. So we want to discuss them. Baker. Maybe give some of them a little bit of a fantasy fantasy spin, depending on the player that we picked there, Tad. So I'm gonna pass it to you here first. Do you want to discuss your breakout player for this upcoming year, or do you want to discuss your bust player for this upcoming year? Let's start off with positive. Let's go positive. All right, all right. Let's hear it. So, I mean, speaking of, like you said, making a dent, uh, let's talk about a player that I think is going to make a major dent in his offense in a good way uh, in this upcoming season. It's Travis Etienne. Now, I know what our listeners yeah. are going to think is, Ted, didn't he have a pretty good season last year? Yeah, I think pretty good, maybe stretching it for a reason I'll get to. But let's just read off his stats real quick. So he had 1,100 yards. Five yards a carry. That really surprised me. He was very efficient with the way he carried his ball. It wasn't a, uh, oh, help me out, Najee Harris. It wasn't like a him situation where it was just like, yeah, he had a lot of yards. They also only averaged like three yards a carry. It was just that yeah. they kept like just giving him the ball. It was like whenever he did get a carry, he made the most out of it. So 1,100 yards, five yards a carry. Now, these are the two sets that really stuck out to me and not in a good way. He only had 35 catches on the season last year. Hmm. Keep in mind, this is a guy, and granted, this was a dumbass move in the first place, but this is a guy that Urban Meyer drafted to be a receiver. So a receiving back is clearly the strong point of his game. Now, receiving back, not being a straight-up receiver, Urban, that's the difference. There is a difference. <laughs> How is this man? So whatever. Anyway, I cannot wait to watch that documentary in August, by the way. If you don't know what we're talking about, there's a Florida documentary coming out in August. It's going to be so good. But – um. So receiving back is a strong point of his skill set. But with 35 catches, he never really was given the chance to prove that. So now, Murray, you've been killing this game recently. I think we're, this is now the third straight episode where we're playing this. Uh, over under, five touchdowns for Travis Etienne uh, last season. I'm guessing receiving or total touchdowns? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I actually don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's go total. I broke your let's game. Total. This is this is a stat I got from one of the articles while I was doing my research. Well, I'm sorry, I missed that. So, what is it? I don't. Is I it? don't know. I, you don't just, know, so you're just gonna okay. They um, said blank amount of times is uh the amount he hit the pay dirt. So I would imagine probably total. I'm guessing yeah, that would be total too. So yeah. for total, I'm going to say over. If we're talking purely receiving, I'd probably say under. Oh, purely receiving. There's no way he got over. But uh, I tricked you. I tricked you. You were getting too good at the game, so I tricked you. It's exactly five. It's, oh, gosh. <laughs> Played one of those on me? God damn it. I was actually thinking before the episode, I'm like, how do I get him here? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the way. But, Don't worry. Uh, yeah, I got so, a game for you later with one of my players. Oh, we'll have to fun there. Well, I'm going to lose that. Um, so five touchdowns. That's where I think he will really explode this season coming up because for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Calvin Ridley is now part of this offense. And from all reports, he has absolutely been killing it in this offense since he came back from his BS gambling suspension. Um, so I think that, you know, the more receivers and the more dynamic this offense gets, obviously the more the passing game opens up, the less pressure is put on the running game. So just as a pure running back, Etienne's going to do great, but also the more the passing game has more weapons, the better the running back actually, you know, succeeds in that offense. Look at uh, Tony Pollard and the Cowboys offense is because they have guys that can stretch the field. Well, the check down option is almost always open. And as long as you have a guy that is good in open space, he can turn yards and turn touchdowns out of those opportunities. So I think Etienne is absolutely, yes, he had a good season last year, but I think he is unfortunately primed for a great season this year, especially because Trevor Lawrence, hopefully for Etienne, not for me, 
Trevor Lawrence will hopefully take a step forward his third year now. And on top of that, you I know a lot of people uh, are worried because this popped up a ton during my research of Tank Bigsby, especially this also comes into play for fantasy. Tank Bigsby, the third round pick, kind of eating into uh, Etienne's production a little bit. I think a lot of people are really undervaluing, undervaluing the fact that Trevor Lawrence and Etienne have years prior to the NFL where they have built up their chemistry. So unless Lawrence has that, you know, chemistry with Bigsby right off the bat, and he may, I'm not saying there's not a chance of that, but I don't think, you know, it will come even close to matching what he has with Etienne. So I think that established chemistry is going to earn Etienne a lot of favors where Bigsby would otherwise get the ball. So I, I think later on in the season, once Bigsby really gets, you know, his feet under him, then that may be a problem, but at least for the first half of the season, I'm not that worried about Bigsby. I think the big thing too is that his name is Tank Bixby. So it kind of tells you exactly it's what great. kind of running back that he is. He's that sort of power between the tackles, sort of that plodding runner that's probably going to be used in like red zone situations, goal line situations. So he's got a vulture some touchdowns there. But what I could see really happening with Jacksonville is that I could see them sort of assembling what Green Bay has, where they have A.J. Dillon and then mm. Aaron Jones, who's a little bit more of that all-purpose back, which is what Etienne will be. And then Tink Bigsby is more of like the A.J. Dillon role, where it's like, can he catch the ball in the backfield? Yeah, but that's not his strong suit. He's going to be that between-the-tackles runner, purely just your running back in that offense. And so, yeah, like you said, I think to start out, Tink Bigsby is going to start a little bit slower. He may start to get a little bit more touches in that offense. But, yeah. With that head start that Travis Etienne's going to get from the season, uh, from game one through the rest of the season, like I very much see him improving on what he did last year. And then also just the big thing is that he's got continuity in the offense now. It's not like yeah, Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. Thing. This that's is Doug Peterson to Doug Peterson again. So, I mean, you got that offense sort of sticking around. You saw what they were able to do. They were a top 10 offense last year in scoring. So, I mean, like you see that they have the potential to sort of replicate that with the addition of Galvin Ridley, like you said. So, yeah, Travis Etienne booming. I very much see that happening as a breakout in his third year. So, I'm going to go to the flip side here. So, I'm going to go with my bus okay. candidate All here right. first. And so, I'm going to stick – in the AFC, I'm going to go to the West, though, and I'm going to go with the kind of newly acquired. He's pretty much new to the team. That's Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver mm, from yep. the Kansas City Chiefs, formerly of the New York Giants. And, Tad, this is sort of the thing that I was sort of talking about. I was like, I got to bring up a guy from that 2021 NFL draft that was drafted in the first round that I don't know how I feel mm, about him. Right he's now. one of them. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, was it – do they the, they be the Giants? Did the Giants take Tony and DeAndre Baker? Were those guys both in the same draft? I believe so, but I don't think Baker ended up being a first rounder, did he? I think he mm -hmm. went in the second rounder. No, no, yeah. he was a he was a late first rounder. He was a late first rounder. Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's I a rough. So. That is I a rough so. draft for New York. I could be mistaken on the Baker front, but yeah, 100% Kadarius Tony was the 20th overall pick in that draft there. Uh, but yeah, his rookie season injured his hamstring. He ended up missing five games because of that. He also suffered from COVID a couple of times during that season. So overall, he missed seven of his 10 games in his rookie season, but. The biggest thing, Tad, is just he never was able to make a mark for Kansas, uh, for New York Giants, excuse me. Um, he did have one game where he went off for like 189 receiving yards off of like, I think, 10 receptions. He set the new rookie uh, receiving record mark. He broke Odell Beckham's junior record with that game with a single season receiving yards in a game sort of thing. But just besides that, 
it was very much like he just did not click in his offense for some reason. So they ended up shipping him off in 2022 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he dealt with some injuries in Kansas City, too. He had some, like, thigh injuries and some hamstring suffering again. But overall, he's able to stay healthy. He was uh, able to score two touchdowns for the Chiefs finally. Then he also had one reception for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So he did contribute to the scoring efforts in the Super Bowl. But just now everybody's just saying that's like entering his third year. Now he's in Kansas City's offense. Everybody's just like through the moon saying that this guy is absolutely going to show why he was a first round pick. And honestly, I'm thinking the opposite. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to have a terrible season, but he's not going to have this like absolutely breakout performance like this is a guy that you want like on your starting fantasy roster just he's not going to have that type of season because tad if you look at their offense now 100 it flows through tavis kelsey like that is first and yeah. foremost right like i mean that's where they're going through in their passing office specifically right but then you look at the rest of the honestly it should be the running game too just put kelsey back there handing the ball off to him like who's topping seriously, that man seriously why not why the hell not andy um, reed andy at- reed we can be reached at any time during the day <laughs> But you look at the rest of their receiving room, and they actually have a lot of pieces that are very similar to Tony. But there's a guy that I like that could break out a little bit more based on some things that I'm reading in the offseason here. So they have – obviously they have um, Sky Moore, who they drafted last year, who they have a lot of promise for. He was a first-round talent, but, I mean, they got a lot of promise for him. A lot of people were speculating he could be a good talent there. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's got familiarity with the offense, so I think he's definitely going to draw Patrick Mahomes' eye in that passing offense. Richie James, he's a solid, like, move-the-chains type of receiver, former Niner, formerly with the New York Giants as well. So, I mean, he's got that guy. He's got – he's a veteran sort of thing. He can sort of, like, move the chains for this offense. So, I think he's going to get a lot of touches in that offense. You got rookie Rasheed Rice, who we talked about my in boy, a previous episode. My boy. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of promise. I don't know about his rookie year, but just, like, I think long-term down the road. That's what I was You just almost like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> down the term like i was saying weird stuff but i was trying to say long term down the road that's exactly maybe that was like a litmus test but like i, I legitimately know. heard donald trump there <laughs> it was probably getting close to that but did get anyways, today, I think, so i mean i that, think we that's... both like the fact that i think he's got future first for like for number one receiver talent in mm-hmm, his skill set sure. that he has there so i think he can develop into that and then the name that i wanted to bring up tad justin ross formerly at the university of clemson he you could give me their entire depth chart he would have been at the bottom of my list Really? You're not as really? high as Justin I thought, Ross? I thought you were going to go Sky Moore there, to be honest. No, no, no. I like Justin Ross based on what I'm seeing there. So uh, he was – actually used pegged to be first-round talent, but he has medical issues where he had surgery. He had a spinal and neck fusion condition that required surgery. So that was the reason why he went undrafted. But he lands in an offense in Kansas City. He's hooking up with Patrick Mahomes during these OTAs and these mini camps or whatever. They really like what he brings to the offense, and I think he's going to break out a little bit more. But overall, Tad, I still just – all of these receivers, I don't see them being like one of them is going to separate from each other. They're all going to contribute a little bit. It's very similar to like how we've talked about with like uh, the San Francisco running game, where it's just like they're all going to cannibalize each other. Who's going to be really effective? Now, obviously, with Christian McCaffrey, that sort of problem has been solved now. But in the past, I'm just saying, so with Kansas City now, it's like you see all these viewers. So it's like one week it could be Sky Moore. The next week it could be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The next week it could be Richie James. And so it's just like, I think Tony will contribute a little bit here, but just the way people are anticipating him being this absolute fantasy breakout star this upcoming season, I just don't see it happening. I think it's going to be very limited. He may have some of those like flash in the pan weeks where you're like, okay, I got to swarm to the waiver wire to pick up this guy. I don't see that happening like 
I wouldn't suggest that. Like, I mean, I think it'd be very much like it's going to be a very limited basis. That's like, you know, it's very lottery ticket play where it's like if you got him and he hits, you're going to absolutely destroy your opponent in a week. But if you got him the next week, he scores you two points. You're going to be like, why the hell did I pick this guy? (laughs) And so, yeah, for that, it's just like I don't see that happening. And then the last thing here, Tad, that I'll close this out with is that they brought back Jarrett McKinnon. And I know we said that they don't like to use their running game as much, but Jarek McKinnon was their passing back because Isaiah Pacheco, he was the one who ran the ball for them, got a lot of effective yards on the ground. But Jarek McKinnon, over the last six weeks of the season, he scored nine of his 10 total touchdowns during that uh, six-week span, and he was just a very dominant force for their offense overall. They brought him back. I think we obviously have talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and just how his optimism just absolutely fell into the basement like i mean just that guy is just not suited yeah. for this office i don't know I, what it I is was speaking of bus like yeah that guy exactly that there's bust. another yeah. first round bus that yeah. we can talk about there but just yeah so i like isaiah Pacheco to run the ball for them and the jared mckinn is definitely going to be involved in the passing game he was third on the team in receptions tad and he was second on the team in receiving touchdowns so, i mean they like to use him in that passing offense so overall i think like he'll have be good at times but i think there's just so much surrounded in that kansas city offense surprisingly that's just like I don't think he'll be able to separate himself from the pack. Yeah, I mean, you you basically took all what I would agree with you because I I am right there with you. It's it's just like the lottery where, especially fantasy wise, because I believe this happened even last season, if I'm not mistaken, where Tony will have you know one big game and then fell off after he was traded KC. Where I I I am like almost positive this happened where there was one big game of his where he had like two touchdowns and everybody was like, Oh my God, like this is it. This is the big game. And then it was like nothing up until Super Bowl when he caught yeah. that touchdown. So then I, I think it's a lot like the lottery where like, yeah, you can buy a lottery ticket. If you win one week, uh, one year, that doesn't mean you should keep, you know, buying lottery tickets for the next 16 years. It's probably not the best, uh, you know, uh, investing advice. So with Tony, I, I agree with you. I think that Sky Moore is going to take kind of that slot receiver role. Rasheed Rice is going to take the number two kind of in-betweener role. Valdez Scantling uh, will probably be their number one, which will be interesting. Um, and well, Like I said, it's hard with this receiver group to call anybody a number one. Like, I think they're really going to figure Kelsey it out as the season yeah. goes wrong. Well, yeah, that's yeah. we already said that. <laughs> the de facto number one passing option right. is Travis Kelsey. Right. So then another thing, too, to consider is, uh, like you said, I think the, the Tony's strength is – being used as an athlete, not just being used as a receiver. And the problem with that is, like you said, they have so many athletes there already. And I think you saw them use a guy that, I, on, in my honest opinion, I think should have been Super Bowl MVP, Isaiah Pacheco. It seemed like in the Super Bowl they really figured out how to utilize him correctly. So I think Pacheco's going to get the ball more as the like all-around athlete. I think, like you said, Jared McKinnon's still there. He's going to take some touches away. I just don't see Tony getting enough touches to make any real substantial, consistent, consistent yeah. difference. I think point. there will be a game, you're right, where they game playing well for Pacheco. And this one makes the Chiefs so good. Okay, game playing well for Pacheco. All right, we got McKinnon. You got McKinnon and Pacheco? Great. We got Sky Moore. You got Sky Moore, Pacheco, and McKinnon? Great. Now here's Kadarius Tony. It's like, yes, he will have that week eventually. It's the NFL. They figure it out. But it's just it's gonna be one or two weeks and after that just nah like yeah i don't i don't if anyone's calling him a fantasy breakout star i'm not even drafting him yeah yeah it's very much it's gonna be exactly like i said hitting that you know nail on the head sort of thing is just the consistency factor where it's just like you may see it one or two weeks possibly three but just yeah over the course of an entire season i don't know if i trust him there so just yeah i have him as a bust i don't think he'll be 
so great that way that I'm sort of reading that a lot of people are sort of pegging him to be. He'll be good, but just not, you know, showcasing the skills that he has as being the 20th overall pick. Like, we're not going to see that enough to be like, okay, yes, he's a breakout star sort of thing there. So, Tad, obviously, you gave your breakout star first. So, give me your guy who you think is a bust to, uh, to just back-to-back with mine here. I like what you said where it's – he'll be good. I'm not saying he's going to, like, totally disappoint or totally bust for this team, but – I think after you know this season, a lot of us are going to be asking, is he a big-time first-round bust? Because you look at Drake London's stats from last year, they're not exactly jumping off the page. 72 catches, pretty good. 866 yards, good, but not really what you want. And uh, only four touchdowns. And that's the real problem right there. And so you ask, well, Tad, he's primed for a breakout. He's going to be good. It takes a receivers a while to get used to the NFL. Okay, but what reason? I feel like we're all just saying Drake London's going to have a good sophomore season because he's good. But like, where? Like, give me any other reason past he's good why he would do well. You look at his quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I know you and I are both still high on him. We're not calling him a bust yet, but I'm not a believer. I never was a believer in him as an NFL starter. I always said I saw him as being a good quality NFL backup. And that's exactly what he looked like last year as a rookie, which is a very promising sign. But I don't see him making that next step. So you look also what uh, Drake London did. I swear to God, I double-checked these stats. I was like, there's no way this is true. In the last 12 games of his season, he only went over 50 yards three times. 50 yards there was one game in there where he only had one catch for five yards yeah most of his production came in the very first quarter of the season yeah. that's when marcus Mariota was hot as well mm-hmm. so that's why the exactly. offense is clicking a little bit more but yeah i that doesn't shock me at all when you said the final 12 games because yeah you saw it week in week and i think i had drake london on one of my fantasy rosters hoping that he sort of captured that magic that he had the first quarter but he never did and so it's just like yeah hopefully like like we like you sort of mentioned there, Desmond Ritter, he gets you more used to the offense, you get a little bit more, you know, consistently Drake London there. But I yeah, it's it's hard to imagine it, yeah, based on what I saw last year. But let's talk about getting used to this offense. What is this offense? Let's let's look at Coach Ar- Arthur Smith here. Because keep in mind, he's a very run heavy coach. So the drafting of Bijan Robinson, while still having Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier on this roster, tells me that he is going right back to his roots in Tennessee, and he's going to run heavy offense, which means that Drake London, the opportunities for targets are not going to be there very often. And don't forget, there's this tiny little player. He's a, he's a small little guy. I don't know if you guys know him. His name is Kyle Pitts, and he is also battling four targets as well. So he is not going to be easy task to get to the 100 catch mark or even the 90 catch mark honestly i'll be impressed if he gets back to 72 so that on top of and like i said that that drafting Bijan robinson i cannot tell you how indicative that was to me of like hey i'm going back to my run heavy offense and i, I was thinking i was like god as i was doing notes i'm like this reminds me so much of tennessee receiver i was praising i was like draft this guy draft this guy draft this guy and then it hit me it was julio jones how many of you remember that he was on the titans once so yeah. Go back to that Julio Jones season on the Titans. He didn't do – I should say he didn't do anything, but he was not nearly as effective as everyone thought he would be, everyone including me. I fell for the trap. Now, I know some people may go, well, he was hurt all the time. Well, okay, yeah, fair. I'm not going to argue that. But also, I will counter with, Mer, name me one Titans receiver. Not name A.J. Brown because that dude is impervious to any system. Not name A.J. Brown that you remember having a good season in the last three years, four years. Corey Davis finally had one good season with them. One. 
Yeah, what? that's what I said. You're right. One. You are correct. No, you are correct. I will give you that. You are correct. But my entire point is receivers just don't really flourish in Arthur Smith's offense, which I would argue is fine. I don't think you need a receiver getting you know, 1,500 yards a season to succeed. But when it comes to you selfishly or your expectations of a player, you need to start curbing them. So I think exactly like what you said, Drake London – while not having a bust of a season, I don't think he's going to have that breakout sophomore uh, year that a lot of people seem to be like, okay, he's he's primed for a bounce back year here. I'm, I'm just seeing another pedestrian year in store for him. Yeah, I think it, it you laid it out perfectly where it's like you see them taking B. John Robinson in the top 10. It's like clearly they know it's which direction. It's like palm reader shit. They were like putting the cars <laughs> on the table and like – it's, it's clearly reading, evident reading, what whatever, they want to but... do with their offense. They clearly want to run the ball and give it mainly to Bijan Robinson. Like you said, sprinkle in some Cordell Patterson, sprinkle in some Tyler Algier, but just, yeah, that sort of takes away from the passing offense overall. Cause like you said, it's just like when you have that type of running back, your passing game suffers. And so while Drake London will probably get a good portion of the targets, it's just not going to be effective enough where you're going to be like, okay, this is a guy that I want as my wide receiver one on my fantasy roster. Hell, even a wide receiver two at this point no, I, I was about to say about him right now if you ask me like okay oh this is actually a good episode uh where would i value x player um in terms of like roster spot high value bench player i think he's definitely draftable to be on your bench yes um just for the promise loan and like you know look i've been wrong in this podcast plenty of time i've been right plenty of time but uh yeah if i'm if i'm wrong then he is a great player to get late but he's not a player i'm targeting until at least the fifth round yeah, that's probably where he's going to go. But just, yeah, I think it's just mainly because he's that main option because Atlanta doesn't have that many great receivers. Yes, you mentioned Kyle Pitts, but I mean, besides yeah, I lo- that. I, lo- I looked at their depth chart. I was like, whoo, that is rough. Like, I think they signed back Hollins in the offseason, but it's like still, it's not a ga- that's not a guy that sort of scares me to play opposite Drake London, right? So it's like they could sort of force Drake London to take majority of the coverage and then that sort of the rest of it could go to Kyle Pitts, right? So it's just like. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that offense outside of Kyle Pitts and Drake London. So that makes me wonder how effective Drake London can be, too. Okay, so there were two names that I was reading that made me crack up while I was uh, doing research on this about an hour ago. It was, uh, all right, so here's their entire receiving depth chart. Is Drake London, Matt Collins, good call. This is one of the names that made me crack up. Scotty Miller is an Atlanta Falcon. Scotty Miller, okay. How about that? Uh, Kaderil Hodge, actually not a bad player. Frank Darby, Penny Hart, Josh Ali, Ali. Uh, this is the other one that made me laugh because I had no idea this guy was even in the league. Speaking of massive NFL draft bus, JJ Arcega Whiteside is an Atlanta Falcon now. <laughs> and he's a converted tight end too. Like he's not. Oh my God. Anymore. That. Yeah. He's a converted tight end. So, but yeah, he's a massive bus for sure. Yeah. And then finally, finally, uh, Keelan Harris. So not yeah. great. So. Yeah, it clearly, like I said, reading off that depth chart, it clearly speaks to the fact that it's like, yeah, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball like maybe 40 times a game. I wouldn't be surprised. It honestly wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. So, yeah. 20 to Bijan, 15 to like Cordero, and then like five to Algier. That's probably how that's going to go. Exactly. So, I like Drake London because he is the primary option in that offense. But just, yeah, it sort of worries me just the – the ceiling that he has, it's going to be very, very low. So it's like, and his floor could be very, very low as well because of that too. So not a bad pick. I like that pick quite a bit there. So I'm going to go the opposite here. I'm going to stick to the wide receiver position. I'm going to go with my breakout. And on a good note. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go with the breakout here. I think a lot of people pegged this one, but I feel I still got to bring it up because I'm very excited by this guy. He's going to probably get 
he's probably going to get drafted very high because of the change that has happened with this team. And that is Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver with the New York Jets. So Tad, as a rookie last season, he led the team in all receiving categories. He had was he even close? Points. Did you compare? Was he even close? Lots of this, lots of the players beneath him were not even any close to him, like on the Jets squad. So it's like he had 147 targets, 83 receptions, 11, 1,103 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. Now, Ted, that is all with the combination of Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Chris Streveler started one game. Who? Who? Exactly. And he I bet you, I bet you Robert Sala was saying that. Like, who? Who is that? Exactly. Just don't worry about it, coach. He can throw. Are we sure? Yeah, I actually remember that game because I think it was a Thursday night game. He started the game, and then he got hurt, and then they replaced him with Zach Wilson in the middle of that game. But just that tells you how effective Garrett Wilson was with that combination of quarterbacks under center for that Jets offense. And now, take all those guys away. Like, I mean, okay, some of them are still on the roster. Still some of them are on the roster, but now you enter Aaron Rodgers into this offense. And I mean, just Tad, you're going to see Wilson, I think, 100%, if not meet those numbers, exceed them. Like, I have very high optimism for how Wilson is going to succeed in this offense because, Tad, Aaron Rodgers, in his 15 seasons with the Green Bay Packers, he has had a wide receiver finish in the top five seven times. He has also had a receiver with the same years there, finished in the top 10 eight times. So there's one time where it finished in the top 10. He did have a few seasons where he was hurt. There's a lot of times where his receivers were hurt. So I think Jordy Nelson was out for one year. I think Greg Jennings was out for one year. So he just kind of had to go with the semblance of like a, you know, Donald Driver and Randall Cobb and some of these other guys. So still an effective offense, but just not that prime. You put some respect on Donald Driver's name. I grew up on that, man. So lots of those guys were great. I'm not saying that, but just I'm just saying that just like they didn't lead to top 10 pitches. That's all I'm saying. But still, like pretty much half his career with the Green Bay Packers, he has had a wide receiver finish in PPR League specifically. I guess I should say that too. Finish at least in the top 10. And then majority of them finished in the top seven, top five as well. So you look at that, you look at Wilson. He finished at number 21 last year in PPR leagues with 215.7 fantasy points. So I don't think it's unrealistic to think that he can make that jump, you know, 11 spots and climb to the top 10. But honestly, I think he has the talent to slip into the top five. And Tad, because of that, I think he's clearly like, you look at their roster, Tad, as far as the receiving group is concerned, and he is clearly the greatest looking like we're right talking now. about with I'm Drake literally London. literally doing it right now. <laughs> looking at the receiving group behind him, like, I mean, it's very similar to Drake London, where it's just like he clearly has the most talent because they have Al Lazard. Okay, yeah, he has some relationship with Aaron Rodgers. He may get lots of targets. Not the same level as Garrett Wilson. McCole Hardman Jr., he's the speed threat. Not the same level as Garrett Wilson. Corey Davis, we just talked about him in Tennessee. He had one good year, but since coming to New York, he has not been the same guy. He is not living up to that first round he, expectation at Did all. he get a massive contract with New York too? He did because he had that one good year yeah. in Tennessee. He cashed yeah. in, and now he's just sucking it up in New York. So we'll see if Aaron Rodgers can bring back some of that magic. But still, Garrett Wilson, I still like him way better than Corey Davis Jr. Denzel Mims, very much like the promise is there. Well, maybe we'll see it with Aaron Rodgers under center, but still not the same level as Garrett Wilson. And then finally, close it out with the veteran. And veteran is like a very hard word there. Randall Cobb is on this roster as well. So once again, just to hold over, bring him over from Green Bay, that relationship there, maybe teaching up these young receivers more than actually being a productive piece. So yeah, 100% like Garrett Wilson more than him. And their tight ends, they got some promise, but still, I like no, Garrett Wilson no, more. We're not, we're not Tyler talking Conklin, tight ends. No. CJ Azama, Jeremy Rucker, and the rookie Zach Coon, who I do like, but just still, it's a lot of just 
promise, not as a lot of like, you know, production that I expect to see from that tight end position there. So yeah, Garrett Wilson clearly is like, he is the primary option in this passing offense with Aaron Rodgers under center. Like he's just going to take his fancy stock through the roof. It's going to be insane. And Tad, I'll let you talk here, but I do want to close it out with that trivia question that I have for you. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> oh, you want me to do the question first? I yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 Sorry, I was wondering. Me... I was like, I know I'm fixing my hair here. But no, no, I, I thought you were going to give your take I thought, first. No, I thought you were waiting for my question, beauty but... shot. I was, I was like, man, thank you. <laughs> no, no, we'll go into yeah, the question no, no. here first. So, Tad, okay. like I said, I have optimism that Garrett Wilson will finish in the top five. Can you name me the last Jets receiver to finish within the top ten in PPR leagues? It's Am actually imagine- not as far as you'd think it would. Am be. I imagining this was Brandon Marshall a Jet? He was a Jet. Is that your answer, I'm assuming? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that. Hold on. No, I'm going to be so mad when you tell me because it's going to be like someone – it wasn't Braylon Edwards, was it? No. <laughs> he was a Jet with those Mark Sanchez. He was a Jet. Teams. He was a Jet, and he did look all right with them. But, yeah, nowhere near top ten finish, at least in recent history, maybe. Oh, yeah, so. I know there's like one good like late 2000s Jets receiver I'm missing, but she said it wasn't as long uh, as I would think. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Brandon Marshall. So you're absolutely correct. It is Brandon yes! Marshall. Let's go. Can you guess the year? I'll give you oh, a bonus shit, one here. No, no, I can't. <laughs> no. Do that. So it was 2015. 2015. Brandon oh, Marshall. See, I was gonna finished. guess 2014. I was gonna go 2014. Okay. He finished third. Whoa. Finished third. What? Yeah, in 2015. Was that uh was that one of the Fitzpatrick here? That's the one thing I forgot to look up. But yeah, I bet you that was a Fitzpatrick here. It probably could have been Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. That makes a ton of sense there. But just yeah, so like I said, I like what uh Wilson brings to the 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 offense there. We already saw it happen in his rookie year. Like I said, now you add an all pro and MVP, a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. I know a lot of people are saying that he may not have this. You said twenty fifteen, right? Correct. The 2015 that, season. So. That was Fitz's first year in New York. That's Fitz. There you go. So, like I said, just Aaron Rodgers just brings so much talent, so much veteran leadership, so much knowledge to this group here that he's just going to take Garrett Wilson, whatever he did last year. I think 100% he's going to exceed the numbers that he posted up last year. So, Garrett Wilson, I'm very high on. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to say after what you said. I think a lot of the concern about, like, oh, he's going to lean on the receivers he's more familiar with between, um, not Valdez, Scantling, uh, Lazard, and. Yeah. Oh, uh, Randall Cobb, man, I really am bad with names tonight. Um, <laughs> with those two guys, he, I mean, yes, he will be throwing to them, and he will like depend on them at certain times. But it's like he says, like Garrett Wilson is just so far and away better than everybody else in that roster that it's just there's no way he doesn't have a good year if Rodgers stays the same Rodgers. Now that is that's one yes. X like factor. Said, that's, that's a little right. bit of that's a factor, factor, but that's the yeah. X factor is if Rodgers can stay the same. Garrett Wilson will have a good year. That's the only the only way I can see Garrett Wilson dropping off this year is if Aaron Rodgers finally hits the wall in his career. Um, the one other thing I want to say real quick was a fun little game for our listeners. Go back, listen to our whole Garrett Wilson talk as uh, Mir is giving his uh, wow that was the first time I mispronounced your name in a while. As Mir's uh, you know kind of giving his whole spiel, which is a good one. Uh, every time he says Wilson, just imagine he's talking about Zach Wilson. Because every time you did, I was just – it made it that much funnier. I'm like, Zach, Wilson could still come back. Wilson had a great year last year and just replacing it with Zach. Just, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, uh, that Zach is bastard. just – yeah. He's hey, I will say though, good for him for not playing pre-Madonna. He seems to be an okay learning behind Aaron Rodgers. 
yeah, maybe. Hopefully he could take this and he could, you know, flourish with it a little bit later. But, I've actually know. never made this connection. My NFL draft comp for him was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he did say that. There you go. He hey, hey, everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Aaron Rodgers 2.0, it could still happen. Oh, gosh, that's going to be very interesting to see. But yeah, yeah, so that will sort of end our episode here. We were talking about some second year and third year breakouts and potential busts as well. Um, this is just sort of like the tip of the iceberg. because I mean, we're getting into the summer here, Tad. It's like we're looking for content. 100%, I think as soon as July rolls around, we'll start diving heavier into fantasy content. You know, we'll get into sleepers. We'll get into more busts. We'll get into, you know, just our rankings, obviously. We'll get into like, you know, different, you know, just all the same stuff that we did last year and year before. But just, you know, hopefully give you a different spin on it. We're going to try and get some guests on as well. So it's not just hearing our two voices all the time. As much as you love our voices. Hey, but, you know, our voices are great. Yeah, it could be good to have somebody else throw their uh, knowledge and expertise on the fantasy uh, circles as well. So we'll see about that, getting some guests as well. But guys, the best way you can find out about everything that's happening with us, you see the ticker down below. It's coming right across there. You can find us on Twitter, me at underside23, Tad at TadDesign94. You can find the show handle at the Decide Guys. And of course, we're on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. Wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen right on the LEFB Network website as well. Just wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with our episodes whenever they're dropping. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for watching. So make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Always be up to date with our videos on YouTube as well. And just please, guys, make sure you're also subscribing to everything from the content from the LEFE network. They're giving us a great host. Obviously they're providing us with a lot of support as well, but they're giving you a lot of great content as we're here in the summer. We're getting closer to like training camps. And like I said, we got, did mini camps and OTAs or, you know, all that stuff that just happened recently. So they got you covered on the pro level with the Rams and the chargers. And of course, you know, they got the college game covered for you guys as well with the Trojans and the Bruins. So they're dropping a lot of great content for you guys to so make sure you're supporting them. And guys, I mean, if you're watching our videos, if you're listening, if you're interacting with us on social media i mean guys anything and everything that you're doing to support us we really just can't thank you enough and if you're listening or watching this you already know amir and i did a men sim of our ultimate teams which we drafted a couple weeks ago well you know you're the not so responsible social media manager finally got the <laughs> rosters up yes. on twitter so after a as well <laughs> uh, a reminder that was sorely needed uh, yes, <laughs> so those those rosters are now up on twitter so if you want to take a look at the rosters remind yourself of that they're up there now the results and the stats so if you're interested in like oh hey you know tad took my favorite player how did he do those will be up on twitter tomorrow so be sure to check that out i'm not going to say what they were just in case you forgot or you know just in case any of our social media followers are listening to us for the first time so if you want to know the results and the stats check out twitter tomorrow they will be on instagram following shortly afterwards and guys as always thank you so much now amir mentioned something interesting that uh we are we need content stuff we are actually running out of time where we need content we have 16 episodes planned for the future we have about 23 now, 23 uh, left to go before the season starts. So, Amir, help me out on my math here. That's seven episodes blank. We got seven. Yeah, right? around there. Oh, around there. Woo. Late night math, <laughs> never a good thing for me. So, we got seven episodes to do whatever you guys want to do. So, you want us to hit a topic? You want us to talk about something in particular? Even if it's not football-related, we'll entertain it. Not saying we won't discuss it, but we'll talk about it. Um, hit us up, Twitter, Instagram, right there below again. Um let let us know on the YouTube comments. I check the YouTube comments almost every day. I won't say every day, but almost every day. Let us know there. Um, 
Because, yeah, we got seven episodes left in the summer where we got nothing yet. So, as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And as always, please stay safe. Oh,